This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, episode 155. Strangers and Aliens, summer movie series. Jurassic World. Crossover portal activated. Prepare for interdimensional travel in three. Welcome back to Strangers and Aliens, a podcast about faith, imagination, sci-fi, and other fun stuff. Uh, my name is Evan David, and uh, I don't know how I got on this podcast. There was a bright flash of light and uh, lots of beautiful colors and loud sound effects, and uh, now I'm here uh, hosting, I guess. So, uh, oh wait, I see that I'm not alone. Uh, who, who, are, who are you, sir? Hi, I'm Ben, Ben Avery. I am the co-host of Strangers and Aliens, and... Um, look at all the stars. Stars. Yeah. All those beautiful. stars. We fell through this beautiful black hole of stars. It was kind of neat. It kind of looked like that thing out of Interstellar. Yeah, or 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 2001. Yeah, or that. Or or the black hole. Although yeah, that, or, uh, that could that mean one. we're actually in, in hell. But oh, yeah, no, instead, I'm here to co-host a podcast, uh, Strangers and Aliens. Sounds like a, a great title, Evan. You've got, a, you've got yourself a, a good thing going here. Well, thanks. I guess it was just handed to me. Um, you know, uh, you know, I was thinking a cool name would be the Static Blade Podcast. Uh, you know, we're kind of like the Word of God is like the blade. The static's like pop culture, and we cut through it with the Word of God. And, and, then, and then maybe we can even like fashion the static into a blade to, you know, help sharpen ourselves as, as uh, Christians and, and men. And, but nah, Strangers and Aliens. Sounds cooler. Yeah, yeah. Because that actually is a Bible verse. Instead of just being <laughs> about, yeah, the Bible. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here. What are we doing here? So am I. Well, I think uh, if I heard the the loud voice from the uh, title sounder, we're here to talk about a little <laughs> film called Jurassic World. Yeah, it is a little film. Yeah. Yeah, just just a little little thing, little summer movie. You know, one of those indie romantic comedies about a oh, man yeah. and a and a woman and a giant genetically modified dinosaur that brings them together. What a twist. Yeah, romantic comedy. Yeah. yeah. That's what I got out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's 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 get down to brass tags here. Okay. I don't know what uh, that means, but let's do it. Neither do I, but I'm using the expression. So <sighs> we're here to review this movie for not only our own enjoyment, but for the benefit of listeners to this fair podcast. So, uh, in order to do that, we are going to break the show up into two sections. Uh, one is going to be the non-spoiler section, and then we are going to jump into the spoilers. And Ben, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. um, I would like to to 
kind of hurry, I don't want to know about hurry, but get through the non-spoiler section so we can get to the spoiler section. Because what I'd like to do with this episode, if we can, is just, just walk through it from beginning to end and commentate as we go. Because I think a movie like this, it deserves something like that. Okay. All right. Well, here's where we'll start then. How about we start by saying, um, we'll, we'll start with a letter grade then. Okay. Let's start with a letter grade and then do we recommend this movie? And then just a couple of brief spoiler free impressions. And, uh, and then, you know, if you have any, I don't know, like pipe organs laying around somewhere, uh, <laughs> no, maybe an electric organ. How, how's that? I think we have one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then we can, we can play that, you know? And okay. Yeah, there happens to be one right next to me. So, uh, when we get to that spoiler section, we'll just play that, uh, that accordion. I, I've I've got some I've got some sheet music for you. Oh, thanks. All right, I'll, cool. I'll hand it to you through the portal that we just fell through that just scrambled everything up. Although I know, it was I, weird. I do feel like if this was an actual crossover where we were you know passing through dimensions and we meet each other, we probably should fight first. You right? know what? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? You fight first, then you recognize that you have a common goal or common enemy, and especially a common you know worldview of you know we're not bad guys we're good guys and then we fight crime together that's what you yeah. normally do if this was batman and punisher that's what they would do absolutely you know you know who didn't do that though no i don't superman and the fantastic four they broke the stereotype yeah you know who did do that superman who? and spider-man <laughs> they started the stereotype <laughs> nice well i guess superman when he crossed over where he was helping the Fantastic Four, but then Galactus showed up and turned Superman into his Herald. So then they ended up fighting anyway. Oh, yeah. See, they were heading in that direction. Yeah. You don't start there. <laughs> like, you start there and then you do it again? That's just bad writing. Yeah. But anyway, we're not here to talk about crossovers. We're here to talk about sequel? Sequel? To... Reboot? Could be the same thing? That's... Uh... I mean, it's a, it. You could consider it a reboot if you were to. It's not a reboot of continuity, though. It might be a right. reboot of, of uh, you know, the franchise. Let's get it kickstarted again. Yes, but it's definitely not a reboot of continuity. No, and I was very happy about that. In fact, seems to me like they're not even doing that thing that's also kind of popular right now, where you ignore the sequels. They don't ignore the sequels here. Mm, I, really? I don't think so. I believe those sequels happened. I do too, but I just don't know. Well, this is spoiler territory. Okay. Uh, yeah. Let's get the general stuff out. Okay. Of the way. Let's get the general stuff out of the way. First of all, I would like you to grade Jurassic World, but okay. then I would like you to place Jurassic World in and the other three Jurassic Park movies in order from best to worst. Okay. I can all do right. this. All right. So grade first. What's your grade? My grade, Ben, is. It is probably hovering somewhere between an A and an A plus. Okay. Yep. Maybe this is the part where we fight. Okay. <laughs> good. I'm glad because that uh, makes it interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't give it an A. Okay. Uh, I can't give it too low of a grade. Uh, and when we get into the spoiler section, I'll explain the details to why I can't give it an A. But it really okay. comes down to the third act. The the third okay. act just just takes a lot of the goodwill that the first and second act had and just kind of says, eh, you know what? Yeah. What else? 
But anyway, <laughs> um, I, I would probably give it a B minus. Okay, really? Uh, yeah, it's not, I mean, it's above average, especially for a summer blockbuster, you know, popcorn movie or whatever you want to call it. Um, there's actually some theme to it there, you know, and maybe even a little bit more than just, you know, environmentalism is good, you know, and right. we need to leave these creatures in their natural habitat, even though they're not natural creatures. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's some theme stuff. There's some character stuff. There's some legitimate, uh, although most Jurassic Park movies tend to be about, I, I think all through all of them have family elements to them. And this does yes. as well. And, and parts of that work, parts of that don't, but, um, you know, there's, there's enough to it to say, you know what? It's not just meant to be eye candy. It's not, oh, I agree. It's not just about the visuals. There's some character stuff going on here. So that's what causes me to bump it up past a C. Ben, I'm shocked to a, to a B minus. So, that's, okay. that's where I'm landing with that. I was not expecting this. Well, you know, I'm, I'm asking you to to say some things that I already know what you're going to say. Okay. So, um, so, and we'll get to the third question I want you to answer before we go into spoilers, all right? But, okay. But the second question is, where do you place this in the rankings of the Jurassic Park movies in general? Oh, this is so rough. And I've been debating about this, and maybe my... Maybe my rating will change. I don't know. But right now, based on my gut feeling, here's my ranking. Okay. For these things. Okay, I'm going to start with the lowest. Oh, sure. Go for it. Okay. The Lost World Jurassic Park is my lowest. Okay. Debatable, but not yep. not, not too outside of, of my... Uh, I, I could go there. My, my lowest is uh, actually uh, the third one. Okay. And I can see, I can see why that would be. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing your third is going to be my fourth. Yes, it's gonna. The next one up is Jurassic Park three. All right, and, and my third is Jurassic Park or Lost World Jurassic Park, partially okay. because they just didn't get the naming convention correct. Right. I mean, you put the name of the franchise first, then the subtitle. It's yes. a subtitle for a reason. It's the subtitle. And even if they, even even what the way they did it. It doesn't really live up to the subtitle, in my opinion. No. And we could talk about that in another episode, maybe, where yeah. we could actually talk about the franchise. But the thing I like about Lost World is, first of all, it's Steven Spielberg coming back. Mm. And that's that's great. But it's also one of his worst movies, in my yeah. opinion. But it's also two movies. The yes, first it's... half of the movie is Lost World. It's it's them coming to an overgrown world of, of dinosaurs, mm-hmm. and that feels and the second half is Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I feel like they just said, you know what? Let's just get it all done because I don't know if we're going to do another one. Um, Jurassic Park three actually Lost World would be a great subtitle for that one, I think too. Yeah, but yeah. So anyway, uh, so that leaves two movies now: okay. um, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Yes. So. Uh, go ahead and just spoil it right now. I mean, there, this is like, you know, the the uh, Miss America pageant where right, right. they announce the third place winner, but they don't announce the second place winner because once they do that, you know who's first. So, exactly. so go ahead and just say both of them here. Oh, man. 
I've, I'm even just wrestling with it right now. I'd have to give him a tie, honestly. What? You can't. No, against the rules. Okay. Oh, gosh. That I just made up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then, I've gotta, then I'm going to put uh, Jurassic World at a very incredibly close second. That, that'll work. And, and at I, this moment in time, and probably in five minutes, it'll flip-flop. I don't see it flip-flopping for me. Jurassic Park is, to me, a, a much better movie for a couple different reasons. And one of them just is nostalgia. Yep. Uh, one of them is, again, it is Spielberg, and he's doing this. And and with with Jurassic Park, all the theme stuff and the family stuff and the chaos theory stuff and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um it was cool. It was fresh. It was exciting. And it was, uh, you hadn't seen some of that stuff before. Yeah. But at the same time, it was good storytelling. You know, he, oh, yeah. he wasn't just doing things that we hadn't seen before to do them so we could see them. It was in the context of a story. And, and he tricked us too. He tricked us into thinking that some of those puppets were actually CGI. And we were just I know. like, oh, this is amazing. Everything. Yeah. I, I have to give Jurassic Park the number one spot. Uh, and, and Jurassic World then is, is a second place. Okay. So, and I don't see that, that ever having a flip-flop effect at all. So that's where I am. That's where I come down. Okay. Now, uh, but here, here's something else, though. Okay. And this is why I struggle uh, with, with my rating, uh, my ranking, because um, if I was to put Avengers Age of Ultron on this list, it would come below Jurassic World. On what list? The list of Jurassic Park movies? On my list on my list of which movies I like I like uh better, I guess. I liked I like Jurassic World. I enjoyed it far more than Avengers Age of Ultron, which I was not expecting. Yeah, that's the next question is I was gonna ask you. Um so where do you rank this in the, the summer movies that you've been watching so far? Number one. Number one of the entire summer. Yep. Over Age of Ultron. Yep. Over Tomorrowland. Yep. And, but you haven't seen Mad Max yet. I have not. Okay. But I can pretty much guarantee you I'm going to like it better than Mad Max. You can't see me right now, people who are <laughs> listening. I am slowly shaking my head and wondering what happened that the universe just dropped this man into the pilot seat of Strangers and Aliens podcast. When he says stuff like that. <laughs> Next week, we're going to do a podcast episode about the Power Rangers, everybody. So just buckle up. It's going to be a fun ride. Yeah, well, on my podcast, the <laughs> the Static Blade podcast that I host uh-huh. in, in this universe here, um, we believe that, well, art comes first. <laughs> <laughs> and Jurassic World just isn't quite as artistic as, say, you know, Tomorrowland, Mad Max, Age of Ultron. Although I, I do see Age of Ultron and and, uh, and Jurassic World having that similar feel for the type of movie that they're trying to make for a summer movie where, OK, we want big explosions, big CGI scenes. And, and also, we'll try and, and have some sort of theme, some sort of positive idea, some sort of message. But. Yeah. 
and and, and they, I, they they definitely belong in that same category of the type of movie that they are. Right. I mean, this is this would not fall into the same category at all. I don't think with um, Tomorrowland whatsoever. No, or Mad Max. Yeah. Um, Mad Max is a it's an aberration. It shouldn't have been created. It shouldn't have been made, um, let alone funded and, and then, you know, released in the middle of summer when, like, this is a end, Mad Max is an end of summer movie. If, if I ever saw one, but it's so good. I mean, it just, it, it shouldn't exist in this universe of, of the kinds of movies that are getting made and getting funded. And, you know, George Miller's like 89. Yeah, for real. I mean, and he's making this movie that's anyway, we're not here to talk about Mad Max, even though I could do another podcast about Mad Max easily. (laughs) No, we are here to talk about Jurassic World. So you've placed your 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 summer ranking here. You've placed your Jurassic Park ranking here uh, just in broad strokes then. In broad strokes, tell me, why is this the best movie of summer for you? Well, number one, because it's a Jurassic Park movie. Um, I need to, I need to uh, confess this to you and to the audience, or I guess not confess, but explain. Um, Jurassic Park, the movie, and I guess the franchise for me, is the equivalent of Superman 1978 and E.T. for you. That's pretty big. Yeah, and I'm and I'm I'm dead serious when I say that because I know what those movies mean to you in your childhood. This yeah yeah is this is the only movie that I can even think of that had as much impact as far as I just love this movie as a child. This is the one. Hmm. And so, I, I mean, I'm just pumped to see my velociraptors back on the screen again to hear those, you know, sound effects to hear the big T-Rex roar. And, uh, so for number one, for me, it's because it's a Jurassic Park movie. Number two, they made this a Jurassic Park movie. And what I'm saying, what I mean by that is this hits all the sweet spots of what a Jurassic Park movie should be. And we can go over that in the, in the, uh, the spoiler section. I don't, I don't think the other two sequels came anywhere close to hitting as many of the, of the grooves that this one hits as far as lining up with the original and the spirit of the original. Uh, and just the feel of, yes, this is what a Jurassic Park movie should be like. Um, and then number three, I guess is it was just a stinking enjoyable movie. I think apart from all of that, uh, it had a good balance and a good pace. I thought to it. So, I'll agree about your third point there. It is a fun movie. Yeah. It is an enjoyable movie. Uh, it is a, you know, a great diversion, if nothing else. I mean, and, th- and there is more to it than that, but it, you're right. It's, it's a fun movie. Your, th- your first point about it being like Superman to you, mm-hmm. Superman 77, even, mm-hmm. uh, your fourth movie and my fourth movie. You win, okay? Because <laughs> um, when they came to the fourth movie for my franchise that hit me as a child, 
Oh, it was Superman Four: Quest for Peace. So, yeah, Nuclear Man. Yeah, there's there's some problems there. <laughs> you know, there's there's actually some positives that could come out of that movie if you really squint your eyes. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the scene where Lois or, or Superman and Clark are trying to go on a date at the same time with with Lois and that other girl. I, I actually enjoyed that part. Yeah, you know, I actually read the comic book before I watched the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. And so there were some cut scenes that were in the comic book that weren't in the movie that I think I think they were cut because the, the effects weren't working. But I wish they had mm-hmm. been included because it would have been kind of neat if the effects had worked. But anyway, your fourth movie in your franchise. Yeah. But you're right. Also, it is a Jurassic Park movie because it, and not just hitting the points. It's definitely a sequel. I mean, it is yeah. definitely, they are referring to things. They are talking about things that happened. It's almost as if things in the Jurassic Park movie universe moved along from 1992 to 2015 in real time. Yeah. Like what Which would basically actually what happen? They did. Yeah. What would actually happen over the course of these two decades? Um, which was it 92 or 93? It was 92. All right, so that yeah, we're talking uh, over twenty three years now. So that that can't yeah. be right. Twenty two years? That's insane. I know. Wow. Okay. Well, anyway, as if it happened in real time, and so things in the parks that they're doing, they actually have opened a park. It's called Jurassic World, and you know. It also kind of reminded me a little bit of Jaws 3, where it's like, okay, here's our theme park. What can go wrong? <laughs> exactly. You know, and, it is 1993, actually. You're right. Okay, so it's 93 to 2015. Still, it's two decades. And the technology has moved along. And, you know, yeah. they, they're talking about um, characters, and there's little references to different characters like Hammond. He, he's all over the place. Um, and there's even, um, well, we're not going to talk about those, those little nitty gritty details. I'll let you discover those for yourself if you haven't seen them yet, but yeah. And, and so I, I appreciated that about this movie and I appreciated the nostalgia, the music. Oh yeah. That, you know, refers back to the John Williams score. If I thought Michael Giacchino or however you say his last name was trying to be John Williams in Tomorrowland, he nailed it here. Yeah. With, with, is he the same composer? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. So here I thought he was trying to do ET with Tomorrowland, you know, or, uh, mm-hmm. but he, here he actually is doing Jurassic Park and, yes. and does, does John Williams proud, I think. I hope. But, oh, I definitely agree. In fact, I, I, I thought that John Williams did the score because it was, uh, very similar. Well, I mean, he used John Williams, um, cues for sure right yeah and and there's moments in the original theme yeah there's there's moments where he was pulling from the jurassic park playbook so to speak but he yeah. uh when he added to it i i didn't feel like it was a you know i didn't, I didn't feel like there was a misfit at all in that it, it all fired well for me mm-hmm. on all all cylinders so yeah michael giacchino i i will never say his name right but for me, he's 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 the go-to guy. Uh, any movie he scores, I may not like the movie, but I can guarantee you, I'll like the music. Uh, just just because it's it's uh, 
he hasn't had a miss for me yet with music. Um, not that I've listened to everything, but right. All right. So you recommend this movie then? Absolutely. Okay. Um, and I also, I recommend it, but I would say you could, you could save it for a rental. Um, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Go see it in the theater. I, I would say that, um, you, the performances, you know, there is no Jeff Goldblum in this yes. movie, but there is a Chris Pratt in this movie. And yes. so I was glad that they were not trying to emulate Jurassic Park by pulling in, you know, okay, well, here's our Sam Neill character. Here's our Jeff Goldblum character. Here's our two children. Here's our, you know, Hammond. Um, here's our, uh, Newman from yes. Seinfeld. You know, they, they had, there were definitely some characters you could try and line up with that and say, Oh, well that guy's very similar to Sam Neill mm-hmm. or that guy's very similar to uh, Jeff Goldblum. But for the most part, uh, Chris Pratt, you know, his character is a different and new character. You've seen characters like him before, but this is new to our Jurassic park franchise, you know, and, Yes, and I'm very glad that they didn't just try to do a, another Star-Lord uh, ripoff. Yes, yes. Although there was one time, and uh, this isn't really a spoiler, um, but there was one time where he was like, to the raptors, hey, hey, it's me. And I expected the raptor to go, who? Ooh, you know, yeah. Star-Lord. But um, That's... they had two kids, yep. but it was a different relationship for them, and it was a different dynamic for them. Uh, they weren't the same as the kids in, in Jurassic Park. And he, yeah, I, overall, I recommend seeing it. Um, but I think you could save it for a rental. However, on the big screen, you're going to get the rumbling. You're oh, going yeah. to get the sense of scale. I didn't see it in 3D. Did you? I did not. Okay. There were some moments where it definitely felt like, okay, that was intended. That was put in here for 3D. But it wasn't mm-hmm. gimmicky enough to feel like, oh, all right, yeah, of course they're going to throw the spear right at your face, you know. Yeah. Not a spoiler. There is no spear throwing. <laughs> so, um, so that, yeah, that's our general thoughts here. And uh, I think that uh, if you would go ahead and, and play that, that organ, um, I'll let you take lead on the second half because I have no idea what you want to do there. I. Or I'm just going to follow your lead on the second half. Okay. So, let's play that, that organ spoiler, and, and I'll turn this over into the the strong, capable hands of the Strangers and Aliens podcast host. Okay. Hit it, boys. Spoilers. 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 Alright, so we have played the spoiler alert. If you are still listening and you haven't seen the movie, please, for your own good, stop right now and go out and see the movie in the theater. And then you can come back and uh, hear about the uh, what we think. Or you could be a rebel and continue listening and then rent it from Redbox <laughs> in a couple months. <laughs> I'm just saying. To each his own. To each I'm just own. saying. All right, Ben. So here's what I want to do. 
I want to I want to treat this like a uh, Welcome to Level 7 episode. If you haven't heard our Welcome to Level 7 podcast, you can check it out at welcometolevel7.com. The 7 is spelled out. And uh, it's all about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And what we do in that podcast is me and Agent Daniel Butcher, we, we break up a uh, an episode, uh, just go through it plot point by plot point, and then discuss it as uh, discussion points come Ow. up. So that's what I'd like to do. Ow. My head. It hurts. Wrong, it hurts as if something is wrong. There's something wrong in this timeline. I don't quite understand well, it, but you say these things about that podcast, and I just think, wait a minute. Shouldn't I be saying those things? Well, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on quickly before uh, Ben gets <laughs> a headache. Oh. Uh, we don't want him to think he's too hard now, do we? All right. Oh. So, oh, wait, wait, no, no. Actually, that was just brain freeze. I was eating ice cream during the organ <laughs> thing. So, okay, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. All right. So, Ben, I I don't know about you. I did not take notes during the movie. Did you take notes during the movie? I did take a few notes, yes, but not not as many as I normally do, actually. Okay. Well, well uh, I have a gut feeling deep down that you're going to be better at walking through the plot than I would be. Oh, man. So I, <laughs> okay. What was that? Oh, I said, oh, man. <laughs> if uh, So, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to hand the reins to you, and then if you forget something, I'll bring it up. And uh, Okay. I'm just afraid I'll forget a bunch of stuff. All right. So we start, and we see some eggs. Yes. That was so creepy. And inside the eggs, dinos. But not and, just any dinos. Well, this is, what do they call it? I, I mean, I'm assuming that this is the um, Imperius Furiosa. No, that's the, <laughs> sorry. The Indominus Rex. Indominus Rex. Or Irex for short. Irex. That's kind of cool. Kinda cool. Yeah. But yeah, so we have some eggs and they're getting ready to hatch or something. And then the eggshell comes off. You see an eye. And this is us seeing our villain. Yes. And it is a little creepy because it's not the same type of hatching that we've seen in the previous movies. Like we see a, a full raptor hatch in the first film. And it seems very natural. And this one seems very unnatural. And there's a reason for that. And so we are not going to spend this much time on every single scene like this scene is probably what four seconds. Yeah, for you know, ten. <laughs> I just want to say it sounds creepy. But right. um, but this, I mean, this deserves a little bit of chatter here because, like I said, this is our opening scene. This is our opening image. This is the movie telling us where we're going. There is a birth of this dinosaur, and it is going to change everything for yes. everyone. And we go from there to what I think is supposed to be like a startle scare of a foot yes. slamming down <laughs> really, really loud. What? And you think it's a dinosaur foot. Right, but it's a bird. It's just a little bird landing in the snow. And here is where we meet our two main uh, children characters. They are in Canada shooting. I don't know if they're living in Canada, but they are headed to visit with their aunt while their mom and dad go through a divorce proceedings and we don't know all this is happening but the boys have figured out there is something going on here and the parents are you know acting a little weird and this is where we get that family dynamic of you know this our family is coming apart and so from there uh we go to the airport and they're going to go to jurassic world at costa 
Rika. Rika. So, um, yeah. So this opening here, we are we meet our characters, our our children. Um, the one boy is just really kind of ambivalent to his girlfriend. <laughs> I couldn't figure that out. I thought, okay, so he's he's not that into her. Yeah, you know? she's way into him. And you know, is it because he wants to let his eye wander? Because he lets his eye wander the, the entire, entire movie. Yes. Is constantly just staring at girls. That's all he does. It seems like. And his little brother picks up on that and comments on it. Yeah, yeah. And he acts like, "Hey, little brother, you just ruined my chances with those girls by (laughs) saying something." No, big brother, you ruined your chances with those girls by staring at them. You're kind of creepy, dude. You're just kind of creepy. Um, but that sets up our our primary conflict is that w- between the two boys, is that the the younger boy is preoccupied with what's happening with his family, and he's scared, legitimately scared about what's yeah. happening with his family. And the older boy is like, you know what? Two years, I'm out of here, and girls. Exactly. And that so. was that was an interesting. That was. That's an interesting part in the movie where he where they're talking about that in the in the monorail, and you know he says, "Well, I'm out of here in two years." Like completely disregards his little brother, who that's that's his biggest fear, you know. Yeah, he he, he is worried that his parents are splitting up, which is a legitimate fear because he got he's seen the mail and they're getting letters from two different lawyers. He googled them and they're divorce lawyers, mm. and so he's worried already. We are here because mom and dad are splitting up. And now you just said you're leaving me. You're leaving me too. I'm losing everything. And the little boy, he cries. And this was an interesting choice yeah. to have him, you know, become that emotionally vulnerable. And I could actually see, um, you know, some of the audience of, of this movie maybe just kind of you know, laughing at this kid for crying and just kind of like, oh, this is kind of annoying. Um, because I'm here to watch dinosaurs eat people, you know, but, you know, it, it made it, uh, an inter, it was an interesting choice for the script and for the, for the direction here to have this boy be this emotionally vulnerable and, and, um, you know, to use that as our relationship for the, for the two brothers. Yeah. And to me, I don't know, uh, I, I know you work in children's ministry, Ben, and I have for a couple of years too. And to me, it seemed like uh, the little Lord boy might have something going on where he's like maybe a savant or something, or uh, or maybe has some sort of like Asperger's things going on where he's like because he seems really, really, uh, really smart and really uh, just very knowledgeable about certain things. But then also, like you said, he's like he's super. Um, emotional and just really says what's on his mind. Did you pick up that sort of vibe? Yeah, I I think you might be on to something there, especially considering, um, though, well, the way he was at the end counting teeth, uh, instead of counting dinosaurs, um, uh, you know, just, so just kind of some of the observations and, and, and reactions that, that that littler kid had, um, and that, that does kind of feed into the family dynamic. Uh, actually, what's 
kind of interesting there. Uh, I mean, this little kid was just kind of on, maybe on the spectrum, maybe on the autistic spectrum, but, um, but I, I, with the divorce that the family is, seems to be getting ready to go through, uh, it's interesting because, you know, I was just at the camp, um, for, in fact, that's when I saw Jurassic World was in, in between two weeks of camp with, uh, Johnny and Friends family retreats, which it's a retreat for families affected by different disabilities. And there's a number of people there for a number of different reasons. Um, it might be an injury that caused something, or it might be a, an illness that brought on something, or it might be something like, uh, um, autism or down syndrome or cerebral palsy. I mean, any number of reasons your family might be eligible to go. But, um, one of the things that has come up a lot is the divorce rate of couples, uh, who, who have children who have a disability. So it's kind of interesting. I don't know if that's something that the filmmakers intended, but, um, yeah, the idea of this, this boy who maybe, uh, may have, um, autism or Asperger's or, um, something along those lines. Uh, the fact that they have a child like that, uh, who, you know, he's well adjusted. He obviously, you know, he loves his parents and, and can, can, you know, tell his parents that he loves them, but there's still probably maybe some challenges there. And, and that is something that does cause real world couples to split up over and, and so, yeah, the, the brother also, I mean, this is something we also see at the retreat is, you know, siblings who they have to shoulder some of the load with the parents, you know, helping take care of, of a, a sibling with, with a disability. And so, um, I mean, and that, that brother, he, he steps up too. He does later on, but yeah, it's interesting. You bring that up. Um, you know, at first when I was looking at this movie, I wasn't really catching that, but, um, but then kind of looking at how they, they were causing, uh, directing the boy to, to play the character. Um, it, there's definitely something there, like what you're suggesting. And it does fit in to that, that whole family, family dynamic. I've seen testimonies of families where the, they'll say, you know, there's the divorce rate is very high, uh, among couples who have, children with a disability and we are not going to be part of that statistic and we are or rather they're going to they want to be part of the positive side i guess of this statistic but yeah it definitely fits into what they're saying with this movie um with these two brothers and and then also with the uh with the uh, imperious rex too the irex i mean he's socially uh socially maladjusted uh because of his his uh living uh arrangement you know being completely raised in, in isolation and captivity um but unlike our two human boys uh the irex ate his brother so there's there's the the opposite end of the spectrum there i guess you have one brother eating the other brother and you have one brother you know neglecting his brother because of girls and and then stepping up <laughs> and taking care of him well i just got that vibe once he's like in the in the computers you know in the main hall and he's like putting together all these like elements and making crazy dna stuff on the computer i was like man this kid is like there's something going on with him A anyway they're they're really that's their relationship right there and that's what they have to to 
kind of come together and, and, and basically that's their family arc, which is again, that, that, that Jurassic Park, uh, trope. It's, it's in all three of the other movies. I, I, I'm, I know it is because in the second one, it's Jeff Goldblum and his daughter and the T-Rexes and their baby T-Rex. And then the third one, in the third one, it's the, the mom and the dad coming to the island to rescue their son. Mm-hmm. And with the raptor eggs, too. Although that's a little more vague in my memory. But anyway. Yeah. And in the first one, it's all about Sam Neill not wanting children. And exactly. having to, you know, deal with, I've got these two children that I have to, to help. So. <clears throat> but anyway, um, we kind of jumped around a little bit. And so they're, they go in the park. They're running around the park. And their aunt runs the park. She's the one who makes sure that all of the the people are happy. I mean, basically, I picture her playing zoo tycoon with this park where it's like, okay, animals are 90 percent happy. People are 75 percent happy. We have this many people coming in on this day. We're keeping track of all the numbers. But, you know, she is the business, uh, the business side of the park. Then you have the park owner who is the financial side of the park and who kind of takes on with Hammond and the idea of spare no expense, you know, and that kind of thing. And then you have the guy who's the, 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 uh, science side of the park. I can't remember his name, but he's from the first movie, right? The Dr. Wu, I think his name is. Yeah. He's from the first movie. Yes. He's the guy who bred the raptors and, Mm -hmm. and hatched them for the guests to see. Yeah. And this is one of those things where that character, Causes you to see the first movie in a slightly different light, yes. knowing what you find out in this movie about him. Now, it's possible he wasn't thinking and doing the things that he's thinking and doing in it's this movie years. back then that, you know, this is something that's happened over time. But, yeah. Um, so they're running around the park. They've been given a uh, their aunt's assistant to watch over them as they run around the park. And they get to witness a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Eat a goat. Eat a goat, which we don't see. Yes. <laughs> Shades we, of a Godzilla movie. Or, or at least the last Godzilla movie where so much of the action was hidden from view. Right. But um, And they get to see the, uh, the water dinosaur. Yes, and I don't know what that dinosaur is called, but... He eats a big shark. Yeah, yeah. Which... And then they lower the entire stadium below this giant tank. <laughs> Spared no expense. <laughs> For real. Um, and this is Chekhov's water dinosaur. It exists, and, it, and and this is one of those problems where the third act, everything falls into place for the third act. I knew as soon as I realized, okay, this monster is here, this water thing is here, um... It can't leave the tank, but it is going to be a part of our climax at the end. And I, I knew it just from, from seeing it here. Um, now, I do like the idea of it eating the shark. Yeah. You know, the, the dinosaur, you know, eating Jaws, basically. Um, Jurassic Park versus versus Jaws as far as Spielberg type things go. Mm-hmm. That was kind of cool um, because Jurassic Park owes a lot to Jaws. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't have existed without Jaws. And, and it, it definitely fits into that summer blockbuster 
um, family horror movie, I guess. Family horror. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, a horror movie that's not rated R, you know, both Jurassic Park and Jaws. There's summer movies that made lots and lots and lots of money. And uh, Okay, so at this point, though, the other thing is I'm getting a little tense. I actually am feeling a little bit of tension. You are. I am. And here's why. I see children riding on dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, I know where this movie's going. Like, man, I mean, what a good idea. I, I know that we're going to be watching this part just fall apart. Wait, this is worse than I thought it was. <laughs> I don't know how comfortable I would feel, you know, putting my child on, on a dinosaur. Okay. Let alone, okay, it's a plant eater, right? Yes. Yeah. They're harnessed. Yeah. Well, no, they're not harnessed, but they're sitting on a saddle. I'm not worried about those dinosaurs eating my children. I'm not even worried about those dinosaurs goring my children. They're baby dinosaurs that the children right. are riding on. I'm worried about my kid's foot getting stepped on by one of those dinosaurs because <laughs> they're short. You know, it's not like you put a yeah. kid on the horse and the horse you know, it has long legs. And so you fall off. And by the time you've fallen off, the horse is, you know, 20 feet away. You fall off a dinosaur. He's going to step on your foot, break your toe. This is, you know, this is the practical dad side of me. Yeah. I didn't even think about any of this, <laughs> but the other part of me is just like, Oh man, when things go down, they got children riding dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't get tense at this part. Uh, yet I got tense at the very next part though. And which was that? Well, that's where we, uh, I think this is the next part. No, it's maybe it's not. No, it's not. Sorry. Well, cause we're, we're moving away then. Yes. From, we're moving to the restricted characters. area of the park. Right. And in the restricted area of the park, their aunt is going in and she is inspecting a pen for this new dinosaur. Yes. The Irex. Okay. And this is where, you know, we've seen the dinosaur's eye already. Yes. And we're going to see it again, kind of here. Um, they're looking out, and this dinosaur has been bred and has lived its whole life in this pen. Uh, or at least it's grown. The pen has grown around it as it has grown. It used to have a sibling. It ate its sibling. Yes, and we briefly saw the sibling in the opening scene in With his that, own egg. The other egg, yeah. And we know this is a bad, bad creature. Yes. And it has tried to escape. And it is, I don't know if it's eaten a, a person yet, but he's hes hurt. No, he, he, he bit off someone's arm when they were feeding yes. it. And it was smart. It's, it's smarter than they expected it to be. Because it is expecting the food to come at regular times and it's figuring things out. And it seems to have, you know, it seems to have some chameleon ability because they're standing there looking for it and they can't really see it. And, um, this is a, uh, this is a tense scene. Yes. They, oh, the glass is broken slightly where it tried to get out. Yes. And the, the park owner is looking at it for the first time and seeing and seeing that it's white and saying, Oh, you know, this is not going to just scare the kids. This will scare the parents. Yeah. yeah. Great. <laughs> and he is a character who he, he's interesting because in a typical movie, 
the park owner would be either a really good guy or he'd be, you know, like the the mayor of Jaws, you know, where uh, we can't close the beaches. We'll lose all our money, you know, right. and he kind of falls in between. You like him. Yeah, he's likable, but he's not smart in the right way. Because he's saying, let's build bigger and scarier. And he's kind of being manipulated, I think, by, by some of the sciences. Right, and because he doesn't really know what he's asking for. Yeah, and they're giving it to him without really telling him what he's asking for until it's way too late. Yeah. Um, and so they say, you know what? We need to have this checked out by Star-Lord. Because if anyone <laughs> knows about dinos, it's Star-Lord. And so then we move over to where Star-Lord is training raptors. Yeah, and this is the part where I got tense. Okay, and rightfully so. Yeah. Um, because this is this is like uh, you know <laughs> the YouTube video that I saw. Maybe this is why the the children riding the dinosaurs bothered me because I saw a YouTube video of a child riding a crocodile. Recently. Oh my goodness! It showed up on my Facebook feed, and it's one of those videos where it just started without me clicking on it. And I'm just like, oh, that's kind of really not good parenting. But, um, yeah, so he, it's similar to that. You can't, you, you know, you can't train, um, wild animals and just expect them to lose the wildness completely, you know, so you can right. train a lion to do things. You can train an orca to do things, but it still has a natural tendency toward, you know, being a predator. Exactly. And yeah. these are like the top predators too. And they're, and they're not even natural, uh, life forms. They've been, so who knows what you to expect. And this really reminded me of, uh, SeaWorld. Yeah. And all the, yeah, yeah. The scandals that came out of there with the, the killer whale that, uh, has killed several people. And, um, just thinking that you have a bond with an animal a wild animal that's in captivity and you think you have a bond and that they love and respect you as much as you love and respect them. And I was, it's very cool to see how they dispel that with the star Lord's mentality toward his raptors. Cause yes, he does have them slightly under control, but then he, he knows that that's control is not something to be taken lightly. Yeah, they are. They still have those bred instincts you know where they are going to follow the alpha male and and chris pratt is essentially the alpha male for their group yes um so he's got all these raptors who are you know they're following the clicky 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 and they're they're not eating you know they're they're holding back and then he you know throws them the food you know and 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 this is where I'm, I'm thinking, okay, interesting, interesting. But then Kingpin comes. <laughs> and so it's, it's Vincent D'Onofrio. Uh, so Which I did not recognize as the Kingpin. I'm like, where do I know this guy from? Yeah. Then, yeah. He's Kingpin from Daredevil. So Kingpin from Daredevil is speaking to, uh, Star Lord from Guardians of the Galaxy. And he wants to weaponize this, these dinosaurs. Yes. And so now we have another major conflict. We have the conflict of weaponizing versus respecting. You have the conflict of the two boys with, you know, is our family falling apart or not? And you have the conflict between the owner and the boy's aunt 
about, you know, money and keeping the park going versus let's just do whatever we can do because we can. And then we have the conflict between the Indominus Rex and everything else. Well, yeah. On the island. (laughs) But primarily the conflict between Indominus Rex and Star-Lord. This really is, when it comes down to it, two alpha males. Yes. With their packs. Um, and we'll get to how that, that all plays out, but it's, you know, two alpha males and their style of leadership kind of <laughs> going up against each other. Really. That is so true. Yeah. I didn't pick up on that either. And, and so you've got that interesting conflict there, but, um, right here, we've got these themes going through though of just because we can do something, should we? Yeah. You know, and we've got this idea of control, control, which we'll get to with, with the aunt in a moment here, but the Vincent D'Onofrio, um, (laughs) the kingpin, he is basically saying, you know, if we can take these and send these raptors into the caves in the middle East, we can send these raptors after our enemies and they can't be bought. Hmm. Our enemies can't, buy them off and and you know they're not going to turn back they're going to eat our enemies and he sees this as basically a living drone and and chris pratt's like no these are living creatures and so that's another thing that you have you know kind of a back and forth about are they just are they animals or are they life how do we treat them how do we respect them um so it's interesting, but none of it gets real deep. Right. It's all right there pretty much on the surface for you. So <clears throat> from here, we have uh, <laughs> uh, the aunt goes to meet Star-Lord. Apparently, they've gone on a date once. Yes. Didn't and go it didn't well. go very well. <laughs> um, now she needs him. And there's a little bit of that, you know, sexual tension kind of thing. And mostly uh, it's it's supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be – I think it's supposed to remind us of um, like a Bogart uh, person, female actress who would work with Bogart. <laughs> um, uh, Hepburn and Tracy. That's who I'm thinking of. Not Humphrey Bogart at all. A Hepburn Tracy kind of thing with a back and forth, uh, you know, where you know that they like each other, but they can't right. stand each other. Um, and so she goes to ask him for help. And when he realizes what they've done, he is not happy. He realizes that they've created something that is, yeah. uh, it's an abomination. You know? Yeah. And he asks what's in this thing. They and won't, they, they won't tell him. They won't tell him. So he goes off, uh, to take a look. And when he gets there to look, it's gone. That creature is gone. And the guard doesn't know where he went. And so then she starts to drive back to the headquarters, you know, saying the creature has escaped, activate his tracker, figure out where he's at. Yeah. And they go to investigate how he got out. But it didn't get out. It's in the house with you. <laughs> the call came from way right in the house with you. It has 
camouflage itself, but it's also regulated the temperature. Yes. So, so that it hides they, from heat-seeking cameras. Yeah, so they couldn't find it. And, of course, then, this is where I was surprised that it, this happened so soon. I thought there'd be more buildup. Yeah, just, they just let it, it go. It's out. <laughs> it is out. And it eats the guard, and it eats the other guy with the guard, and... um. Picks him up. It takes a bite out of him like a sandwich. <laughs> but, you know, Chris Pratt, he's Star-Lord, man. He knows yeah, what he's, he's doing. And so he covers himself, I'm thinking, in antifreeze? Is I was thinking that... gasoline to make it himself, like, to mask the scent or... I thought he was masking his temperature somehow. Okay. Because I think that they were suggesting that it had thermal kind of uh, sensors or senses that the dinosaur did. But... Whatever it is, dinosaur leaves him alone. Yeah. And goes off. Which is good for him, but it's bad for the two kids. <laughs> because they're going off and they're going to go in those cute little spherical vehicles and visit around the island. And you get to ride around with the dinosaurs as they're running around you. And After can't... talking to the apathetic ride operator. Yeah. <laughs> Who just doesn't care. (laughs) Just get on the ride. I hope you enjoy your ride. And, you know, he's not going to enjoy his ride because his little brother just made the girls that he was staring at turn away from him. Yeah. Then they go off-roading into their restricted area and where they meet uh, the Indian Dominus Rex. Yeah. Yeah. So in in the meantime, they're trying to figure out what do we do with the park. And they close off parts of the park. And the one part being their ride that they're on. Um, and slowly they're closing off more and more of the park. Which, they don't want to kill this thing. Right. They don't want to kill it. And they also don't want to shut down the park completely. If they evacuate, they will never reopen because of the bad press. Mm-hmm. And so what they end up doing is pushing everyone into that main entry area. Where it's, it's just thousands of visitors. Um packed in like sardines so that the Indominus Rex can just open up the can and start eating. Yes. Although he doesn't get a chance to really, but someone else does. Yeah. So there's lots of stuff going on here. Basically the Indominus Rex tries to eat the kids. The kids get away from him by jumping into over a waterfall and then they find the old Jurassic Park. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, and, at the waterfall scene, we get another great ingredient of any good Jurassic Park movie, and that is mud all over our characters. Okay. So I made a special note of that. I'm like, yes, mud. check it off the list. <laughs> mud. <laughs> um, so they find the, the old Jurassic Park uh, yes, main building, cool. which is – it was really cool. And as soon as I saw the gate, I thought, oh. This is really cool. They find the banner that fell down after T-Rex, you know, um, stopped the the raptors from eating the main characters of the first movie. And And there's the dinosaur bones that they knocked over. And there's the painting of the raptors that were on the wall where, again, this is a hazy memory, but I seem to remember them being there and they're walking past the painting, but then one of the raptors wasn't the painting. It was actually a raptor. Well, no, they're they're looking at the painting on the wall in the sh- shadow of a raptor in the hallway falls across the, the okay. painting. All right. Like the I knew it was spot. something like that. But yeah. 
it was cool. Hey, you know, here we are. We're revisiting. Everything's grown over with plants. It's been 20 years. Yeah. And they find the night vision goggles and a Jeep. And they are able to jumpstart the Jeep. They get it, they get it running, which is great because now they have a vehicle and they can get back to where people are instead of dinosaurs that are going to eat them. Hey, Jeeps, check it off the list. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Star-Lord follows them because he's a great hunter tracker. Yep. And their aunt goes with Star-Lord. And slowly but surely, she is shedding. She is shedding the skin of civilization. <laughs> the skin of corporate America. Yet she, she's still walking around in high heels the whole time. She's in high heels, but she takes off her jacket and kind of wraps it around her waist kind of thing. I'm trying to remember exactly what she did, but um, slowly she's basically becoming more and more like a uh, a Jane, like a Tarzan and Jane kind of right. thing. Um, because, you know, she's uptight. She's corporate. She represents corporate America. And she doesn't have time for her nephews, even though she promised her, her sister she would spend time with them. Because there's and business to do. And she doesn't know if the guests are enjoying the park because she's worried about the numbers. Right. Yeah. And she doesn't, so, she doesn't understand about how, you know, scary new attractions are going to bring in more people because she doesn't understand emotion. It is foreign to her because she is, you know, a trope. <laughs> Let's just go there. <laughs> These characters are not deep characters. They're characters you've seen before and you might even be offended by as far as like kind of the, uh, well, the trope, the stereotype. The stereotype of her being a corporate American businesswoman. Yeah. Yeah. Who has lost her emotional core mm. because she has become corporate. Yeah. It happens sometimes. Well, I'm, I'm sure it does. In real life, I'm sure there's people who've lost their emotional core because they become corporate. But um, she's rediscovering that. And and that's her arc. Uh, and her arc is going to be pushed along by the the great hero hunter, Star-Lord, <laughs> who is going to cause her to find her inner feminine being, find her motherhood, as she protects her nephews and she does a great job protecting them. That's one way that she does buck the trend is by um, being proactive and having some of her own action beats. Yes. So that's good. It's a good thing. It's just not a completely 100% perfect thing. I mean, this isn't Mad Max we're talking about here. <laughs> anyway, Irex finds them and tries to eat them. They escape and, uh, the corp, the owner guy gets in a helicopter because he's got his license and they finally like, okay, forget it. We're just going to kill this thing because it's already, it's, it's eating people. It's getting closer. That so, was, that was star Lord's thing. He was saying, Hey man, you got a, you got a big old gun on this Island. Use it. Yes. And so they mounted on the helicopter. Oh, but we missed the part where, uh, he goes and confronts Dr. Wu. That's true. And we also missed the part where the, the uh, military team is going to go and take it down non-violently. Oh, yes. And, and they all die. They all die, but they find – and they die – this is 
where, okay, we've had references to Jaws. We have references to Jurassic Park. This is aliens right here mm. where you're watching them on the screens and they're just getting picked off one by one by one and their screens go dark as, as the creature is killing them and eating them. And uh, he has clawed out his tracking beacon. How? Well, he remembers when you put it in. Yep. And, and later they find out he's, he's killing, but it's for sport. Yes. It's not because he's hungry. And that was a poignant scene that does go back to the original Jurassic Park where you had yes. that opening moment in Jurassic Park where all of a sudden it just here's the landscape and there are dinosaurs all over. And there's just that awe and wonder. And I, that's another thing that puts Jurassic Park above all three of the other movies is the sense of awe and wonder that's in that movie. Mm-hmm. And this one has a, a slight bit of that, but it, it doesn't touch Jurassic Park, I don't think, with with the sense of awe and wonder. Um, partially because it's the kid who, he's our cipher into that. The kid is the one who's like, oh, that's awesome, that's awesome. But he's saying that about everything. Right. So, but anyway, yeah, that scene is horrible because we then see basically the same landscape the green hills but the dinosaurs are lying dead or dying in the lush green grass oh that was a that was really poignant for me yeah um but what did you think about um star lord cradling the brachiosaurus's head in his lap as it breathes its last slowly well, closes its eye as a single tear a single tear it, drips away from the... did you really cry no i'm talking about uh no no i didn't cry the brachiosaurus didn't cry and, and chris pratt didn't cry okay. no, no sure one cried I'm, I'm i'm exaggerating <laughs> but uh it definitely harkens back to the first one with the triceratops and yes. uh it was nice to see uh some practical effects in the movie as well And it wasn't a bad puppet. In fact, um, I say it wasn't a bad puppet. It was great, actually. Yeah. I mean, the, the movement of that thing's face and all the muscles and that kind of thing. That was cool. It was cool. But the moment, that's what I'm asking about. The, oh, the moment, moment. Okay. to me, it kind of took it a little bit beyond. I can I can see that. And... It's interesting. It's because it's established that he's an animal lover, I guess. Like, he carries a like big a, gun. Yeah. Yeah. Animal <laughs> lover carries a big gun. Used to be in the Navy. And uh, I guess, I mean, that's just, I think probably that's the, the far end of the spectrum as far as his his love for these animals and these creatures. is. He's just like, that's probably about as much as emotion as he's going to show. But uh, yeah, I can see where... You, uh, it might be a little too much. I didn't turn against the movie here. I didn't turn against it. Um, but I did roll my eyes a little bit at this moment. I did. I'll admit to that. So I can, I can accept that. Okay. Well, you're going to have to, cause I did. <laughs> so <laughs> if you can't accept it, then, well, we can't change reality, but ah, my head Something's wrong about this podcast. 
changed reality. There's some, oh, I, I just won't think about it because we must move on. Yes. This, okay. <laughs> so. So, um, after that, I can't remember what happens. Oh, yeah. They get the machine gun. Yeah, yeah. That's what we were leading up to. Yes. Okay. And they go after this dinosaur, the Adonis Rex, and they're, somehow they're missing. Somehow it's running faster than the helicopter and the bullets can hit it. And they accidentally drive it into the uh, atrium. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. The aviary. With the, he goes in there. With the pterodons and pterodactyls. and Yes. Who then escape and fly right towards the park where all the people are gathered like sardines. <laughs> and it's terrifying. Yes. This is a truly terrifying moment. I am right there. I am feeling tense. Um, I'm I'm with you because I'm like, oh my goodness, what are they gonna, what are they gonna show here? What is gonna happen to all these people? And they show it. I mean, they don't show a lot, but they show people getting attacked. In yeah. some ways, I'm reminded of like, I don't know, Gremlins or, um, you know, like giant, you know. Spider movies, the birds, you know, those kind of things where you just have people running and, and being chased and, um, you know, chaos and pandemonium. This is the time when the nephews and their aunt and, and Star-Lord all come together and and finally reconnect with each other. This is where um, the aunt's assistant who was sent to take care of the, yes. the nephews, oh my she does not. Okay, we we break horror movie rules here. She was not set up as a character who deserves to die. Right. Okay. And this is not a bad thing that we're breaking this rule here. Um, normally, they would set her up as, you know, oh, I can't stand these children. I have to watch these children. And, you know, she'd be talking on the phone to her fiance, which she was doing, but she wasn't doing it for this, you know, to say, oh, I have to watch these kids. You know, my boss's nephew, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and you hate her. And so then when she dies, you're okay with it. No, she actually was trying to do her job. It was her job, yes, but she was taking it seriously. When she lost them, she was trying to find them. When she finally found them, she tried to take care of them. But And then she, she got She gets twice. picked up. Picked up. And I saw this in the trailer, but I wasn't expecting it to be her. Right. She gets picked up by a pterodon or whatever they are. And then... Dropped... <laughs> And picked up again in midair. <laughs> this poor Which woman's last moments. So she's dropped. And you're thinking, oh, she's going to hit the ground. Nope, she's not going to hit the ground and just die. She's going to get caught by another one. Okay, so she's still alive. She still has a chance now, right? Right, she's in the water. I thought she was going to get away. I thought it was going to be the end of the scene. Well, then, oh, they just dropped her in the water. So okay. now she's dropped in the water. Oh, no, it's not the end because that creature is in there. No, but oh, she got picked up again. And then the giant water dinosaur leaps out of the air or out of the water and into the air and chomps down on both woman and bird dinosaur. Yes. And that's the last we see of both of them. Oh, man. Oh. And once again, reminding us that that water creature is still there. It is still there. He has not gone anywhere. And why is he there? Well... Not just for, for pretty looks. So, and then we actually get to see uh, the aunt. 
shoot a pterodactyl and save save somebody. She, she saved Star Lord. Okay, that's right. Yeah, she saved Star Lord. That was a nice moment for her. Yeah, and there was also a moment where this got a little cheesy. <laughs> One of the pterodactyls crashes into the ground. It's been uh, tranquilized. They're they're shooting tranks at the at these things, and and it slams in the ground, slides on the ground toward the nephews. Yes. And stops with its nose, its pointy nose, just inches away from them, you know, because it would have speared them through. Right. Uh, again, this is a tense scene. It's a good scene. And there's some cheese to it. Yes. Uh, it's a B movie at this point. At this point, we're in a B movie where it's it's a monster movie. It's a scary movie. It's a family um, movie. It's a family movie. No, it's bloodless. I mean, it's horrifying, yes. but it's bloodless. That woman's last moments are the most horrifying point uh, up until now. But yeah, so everyone's running around. There are there are consequences though, and people are being uh, their wounds are being treated. Uh, and in that way, I'm reminded a lot of the original Godzilla movie, where you actually had people who were you know victims of of Godzilla that were being taken care of after buildings have fallen down and stuff like that. But mm. so here's what they're going to do. This is Vincent D'Onofrio, the kingpin. It's his moment. He takes over and they are going to send the Raptors after the Irex. And you know what, star Lord, we could do it with you or we can do it without you. What's it going to be? And so star Lord, what he agrees. Yeah. And so he's the alpha male. He jumps on his motorcycle and they go off to go and, and track down the Irex. And once again, I want to say great puppetry with the Raptor heads when they're in their little uh, containment units. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that looked awesome. Yeah. And, and then I'm thinking they're setting up uh, his friend. I can't remember his name, the black guy who is also helping train the Raptors. What are they setting up? I thought they were setting up him to get eaten. No, 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 no. It's like, oh, he's going to be the extra yeah. guy, the guy that you kind of like, that you're sad to see him die. He's going to be that guy. No, he makes it through. He makes it through. But they get surprised. there are a bunch of more soldiers who are going to get eaten. Yes. And what happens? Well, we find out what else is in there. There is um, coddlefish in this creature, this Irex, which is why it has chameleon power kind of thing. Um, there's probably some frog DNA in there. There's definitely, um, T-Rex DNA in there. Mm -hmm. Maybe some Spinosaurus. Maybe. Possibly. I don't know. From the third movie. Kind of looked like him with his snout and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And there's Raptor DNA. Oh man. Did you see this coming? I did not because what I was expecting really was that yes, uh, the Irex would get some dinos on his side i guess and but it would be chris pratt versus irex you know where it would be um here's chris pratt and his raptors versus irex and his pterodactyls or something like that <laughs> but no the raptors come to attack and stop they talk to him a little bit and they say hey we're with this guy behind us but you're bigger than him and Irex says, yes, I am bigger than him. And you know what? Uh, if you attack me, I will eat you. But if you attack him, you can eat him. And so they turn around. 
Now, I'm translating all of this. None of this is actually said. They just bark at each other a little bit. I think that translation should actually be in the movie. Yeah. Heighten the experience. But um, they turn around. They're going to go after him. And so here's where we get more deaths, especially soldiers and, and uh, guards and that kind of thing. And here's where we get um, the aunt and the nephews. They're in a truck and they start driving away because raptors are chasing them. And I'm reminded of really it's kind of the the inverse of uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where Indiana Jones is trying to get on the truck. Well, though this is the raptors trying to get right. on the truck. This is cool. I mean, it's a, it's a fun scene. It's a tense scene. Yeah. The kids get to contribute again, a little bit cheesy, but this is the kind of movie we're in. I'm rolling with it. I'm rolling with it. It's a B movie. I'm giving it a B (laughs) minus. When I say B movie, that's not my grade, but, um, I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to go and, and take it where it takes me. Um, until I, until I get there, that's when I stop rolling with it. So, um, yeah, so it's still Chris Pratt versus Irex here. Irex has the upper hand because the Raptors are following him and doing his bidding now. They're going to hunt the people. And yeah, man, this is rough. Yeah, this is rough. and I'm sitting there looking at the screen and saying, all right, so you've got a rocket launcher. And your prey comes out and stands there for a good good 20 seconds talking to the raptors. You should probably shoot it with that rocket launcher. Yeah, but, you know, Star-Lord said, please don't kill my raptors. It's true. And also, I bet you Kingpin would be like, dude, we wanted to test out the raptors. You're fired. Yeah, I mean, this really should have been... Uh, there, there's a lot of moments in this movie of things that should have happened. <laughs> that if... If they just would have made a different choice, a better choice, the more logical choice, the more likely choice, uh, the movie wouldn't be as long as it was. Very true. And and that, again, you got to give it, or you give it, or you don't. But um, it's going to ruin your your enjoyment if you're not willing to give the movie some of the things it's asking for. Um. So as they are here, then at the uh, at this this uh, big chase scene, and it's all happening. They end up getting back to the uh, the control center, where they find out what has been going on with Doctor Wu. And he's been uh, secretly working for uh, Kingpin on this backdoor military application for the dinosaurs. And the Irex is, I mean, it's like the culmination of all of the things they've done that they should not have done. Uh, going back to that, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, so they find a secret lab. They find Dr. Wu. The Raptors also find Dr. Wu. Dr. Wu. They find him to be very tasty. Oh, no, they don't. Dr. No? Wu escapes on a helicopter. Oh, that's right. They find the Kingpin, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yes. They find him to be very tasty. That's what it was. Which totally caught me off guard because... I thought this is the villain speech because he's he starts it. He starts the villain speech. He's like, let me tell you about my evil plan and why it's the right thing to do. But then he only gets like a sentence in and then the Raptors just show up. <laughs> he's like, oh, no, <laughs> he doesn't need the villain speech, though. He's already done this speech a couple times in this movie. That's true. And yeah. and the Raptors show up and he starts to give the Raptor the villain speech. You and me, <laughs> we're a lot alike. <laughs> we are. 
We're buddies. You know yeah, what? Drinking the Kool Aid. And he, 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 you got the impression that he's maybe even trying a little bit to have the same, um, the the same level of control. I mean, that's the, the movie's about is control, but right. that same level of control that that Chris Pratt has. Yep, and you see that earlier where the Raptors are locked up. He's like, "Oh, can I can I touch him? Can I look him in the eye?" But he's trying to reason with the Raptor, and yes, the Raptors are smart, but you're not going to talk them out of anything. You know, don't eat me. I have, uh, you know, probably some greasy muscle. You know, there's going to be some <laughs> gristle. But uh, no, he 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 literally tries to talk the Raptor down. Um, which is what Star Lord did. You know, he had a scene earlier on where a guy fell into the pen and he got in between the, the guy and the raptors. And those raptors, they're ready to eat the guy. But they stop just enough. And then when he um, is in safe, uh, safe place, Chris Pratt gets out of there and the raptors actually go after him a little bit. Yeah. And and so this is what Vincent D'Onofrio is trying to do here. He is trying to have that control. He does not have that control. And then they eat him. Because you can't control nature, man. You can't control nature. You can build it, but you can't control it. Big theme. Big theme of the movie. So here they end up running out. And, and I, I, might, I, I might be missing something, but the park is basically cleared out. Or at least the main area here. They've, they've had some, some uh, ocean liners come in, uh, cruises. Or they're uh, coming. Or they're on their way. They're on their way. So the Irex comes after them, and the Raptor comes after them. The Raptor chases them out of the building where they're safe, basically, from the Irex. Um, I did like another callback to the original Jurassic Park. Um, as they're running by, um, one of them, I can't remember who it is, hits the hologram and turns on the hologram of the and a dinosaur just appears in front of the Raptor. The Raptor stops. Yeah. And it's the dinosaur who has the... the the, uh, the Dilophosaurus. Yeah, who spits the... The venom. The paralyzing venom from the first movie, who does that to Newman. Yes. And, uh, and so the raptor stops and is, you know, the, growls at him a little bit. And then finally, when it goes to attack, attack it, it goes right through, which was kind of fun. Yeah, I like that. Uh, but here is where things just break down for me. Uh, okay. All you right, know, let's talk about this. It's, it's this ending here. Okay. Where it all just works too perfectly. First of all, the Raptors come back to Chris Pratt's side. So they're going to, they, they're like, Hey, dude, we want to be guardians of the galaxy with you, man. But they set that up. Oh, no, I'm okay with that part. That okay. part is the beginning of it, though. And then they run and get the T Rex out of, uh, paddock eight or nine. Which we have not seen, you know, I guess, no, we did see we the T-Rex. But um, she goes, she's got the flare, so she's going to get T-Rex to chase after her. So T-Rex can join the fight. And so T-Rex, yes, uh, T-Rex and one remaining raptor are fighting the I-Rex. Yes. Now, this is a cool fight. Don't get me wrong. There's some cool stuff going on here. The choreograph. Uh, of the fight, it's it's good, but I realize suddenly, oh, I know exactly where this is going, and I don't know if I like it that they're they're doing this where it's it's uh, T Rex, it's Raptor, 
and they're pushing Irex, not on purpose, but they're pushing Irex to the pool where it's going to get chomped by the giant water dinosaur. Right. And I didn't see it coming until they got over by the water. I thought for a second that the Irex was going to kill the T-Rex. And I would, and if that had happened, they would have lost me. I would have been totally okay with that. I, in fact, was kind of hoping for that. Really? Uh, well, here is where things are completely taken out of the humans' hands. Now, they have led the T-Rex to the Irex. They have, um, you know, set up the, you know, the whole Chris Pratt and the, and blue, I think it is. Is it blue? I think so. Yeah. The last one. Yeah. So they, they set up, you know, Chris Pratt and the relationship with blue and all that stuff. But here is where it's completely out of the human's hands. I get it. That's part of the theme. No control, but I would have been much happier if T-Rex would have been knocked out, taken out of the fight if Raptor would have been taken out of the fight and it was the humans who are bringing the Irex over to that other monster. Okay. Uh, okay. Instead, it's all accidental and it's all kind of coincidental as well. You know, and, and here's something I've just started developing and it's the law of inverse coincidence. Okay. Okay. I am more accepting of coincidence at the beginning of a, of a story than I am at the end. Coincidence to get things started is okay to me, but coincidence at the end to resolve, resolve something I'm not okay with. And so that's what we have here is the T-Rex and the Raptor just happen to push the Irex to the edge of that pool where the other monster jumps up and, and eats it. There was no, it had to happen that way because it's a movie. It had to happen that way because it's cool looking. And don't get me wrong. I do think it's cool looking. It just, it just felt too neat. It felt too tidy. It felt too much like, Oh, we're going to go ahead and let T-Rex win. Now T-Rex does get a moment there where he knocks over the Spinosaurus's skeleton. Uh, yeah. In the, in the park there, that's kind of cool. All right. Um, you know, T-Rex is the, the dominant creature now again. Yes. Um, <clears throat> unless, you know, he gets too close to the pool and then the giant water beast can do it. Cause that's the other thing is it takes the victory away from the T-Rex. That's, that's true. T but T-Rex and Raptor push the Irex to the edge. So there's that they, but it's three on one. Irex needs. And again, if I was watching any other kind of conflict, I would not be satisfied if it took three protagonists to take down one antagonist. And, and so this is where it just kind of, Oh man. Okay. And it just kind of ruined the goodwill that I, the good feelings that I had because I'm just watching the ending of, Oh yeah, it was cool looking. And in a storyboard, it probably looks really, really neat, but it just doesn't fit uh, what I look for. You know, when I, when I want a, a good conclusion to my story. And see, here's why I like this ending. And it's because this is a Jurassic Park movie. And they've got their checklist of things that what makes a good Jurassic Park movie. And at the end of the first Jurassic Park movie, you'll remember uh, the T-Rex comes in randomly inside the building that he cannot fit into, by the way. And 
defeats the raptors for the humans coincidentally Mm -hmm. and it's the perfect ending yes but here is what makes that a good ending the t-rex was the primary antagonist that they were trying to escape from he was the primary monster that they were trying to escape from he's set up at the beginning as this indomitable force of nature and then you have the raptors who are one step above the t-rex right because they think and hunt in packs right and so at the end we've set up these two opposing not not even opposing we set up these two monsters and at the end the humans are caught in the conflict between these two monsters and they escape because the monsters fight each other and it doesn't even really um the, the monsters aren't dead there's still raptors out there and there's still the T-Rex there you know mm-hmm. And, and so that's in Jurassic Park, that works for me. I'm trying to remember because Jurassic Park two, that one, they end up just putting the T-Rex on a boat. Yes. And, and shipping it back. Sending it on its way. And go. in Jurassic Park three, that was just a mess. <laughs> that, that ending just didn't even make any sense. I heard that they didn't even have their ending when they were shooting the movie and they went back for really. Reshoot. They went back for reshoots twice. Um, and were basically writing the ending as they were going. Wow. Um, and so they would, yeah, that, that's what I've, I've heard. Um, but I haven't gone back and rewatched it really ever. I don't know if I've ever seen it twice. I saw it in theaters. I think I watched it once on video, but, uh, and and so the, again, this is a problem for me here because it just doesn't feel like, okay, we, we've set up this is, awe-inspiring monster and then here oh this one's even worse but now they're coming together um and instead it's just uh it's just a gimmick it's just a moment it's just a oh it's deep blue sea it's deep blue sea when the shark just reaches up deep blue sea the shark just jumps up right as samuel jackson is trying to give his speech and you know that's what happens irex is like you and I, we're going to survive this. Oh, you know, it just, it, it, and, and, and that's my problem is the con, the, the battle was a great battle, but bringing T-Rex into it. Um, I wish there'd been a little bit more, um, you know, other than just, Hey, here he is eating a, a goat. Um, I wish there'd been a little bit more bringing him in. I do agree with you there. And, and instead he's just, here he is quick and, and now, uh, he accidentally wins. Cause I actually was worried that they were going to leave the T-Rex out of this as a main, you know, feature of the film. But T-Rex wouldn't have won. That's the thing. T-Rex would not have won if they hadn't had that water creature jump out, eat him and then disappear again. Because that's the other thing is in Jurassic Park, T-Rex comes in and wins the battle, but he he's there and it's impressive and the banner falls in front of him. And, you know, it's like, oh, look at this. This is a great shot. No, it's gone. It's just done. And then T-Rex runs away. You know, he's he's the top dog again. It just it just isn't satisfying to me. 
And it's enough to take this movie, which is a B movie, um, in, in the broad sense of the term and turn it into a B minus movie in the very specific, uh, in your very specific strangers and aliens sense of, of grading things. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's it. That's how we do things around here. Right, right, right. So. All right. Well, that's basically the movie. Let's just real quick, since we've, we've been at this for quite a while. Uh, what are some themes you see in here besides the ones we've already talked about? Is there anything else that you saw that you just want to touch on? Not really. I mean, the idea of control is definitely in there. And the idea of controlling things or thinking you are in control of things that really are not in your control, you know, and it's, it's like, you know, as much preparation as you want to make for a hurricane, you know, when the hurricane comes, you have no control over what it does. Right. You know, those kind of things. Um, and you know, the, the, there's the mad scientist idea of, you know, we're, we're, we're intruding on the on the area that only God should be. Yeah. Where? Oh, and here's something that I thought was going to happen in the movie, but didn't. And I thought they they were going to find out when they went to that secret lab that they had put human DNA into this dinosaur. Mm. That's where I really thought they were going because I think there was some. I think I read somewhere that that's where they were going to go in early drafts of the film back when it was in you know development purgatory or whatever. Right, where they were going to be actually like wearing armor and carrying yeah. weapons and, and stuff weird like stuff that. like yeah. that. Yeah. And I'm so glad they didn't go there. Me too. They came close, but they didn't. I would have been okay if they would have put some human DNA in it just to explain like it's, it's really, really smart. I thought that would have been okay. And then it truly would have been classified as an abomination, a monster, uh, but they didn't need to because the Raptors are really, really smart. Yes. And so this is, okay, we're going to take everything that's scary about raptors, everything that's scary about these other things, and we're just going to put them all into one. And and it becomes a great monster movie in that sense. Um, and it's better, I, I think it's a better Godzilla movie than Godzilla was last summer. I would agree, even though I did like Godzilla for, for many reasons. Oh, I did too. I really enjoyed that movie. But this one, uh, I might have given that one a better grade even but uh i can't remember what i actually gave it i I might have given it an a but um this one is is a better movie even if for godzilla there are other factors that would contribute to maybe giving a better grade but this is a definitely a better movie i would agree so yeah so those are the themes that i saw is there anything else you saw as far as themes um Maybe just a subtle one that family is more important than than anything else. Uh, and of course, we as Christians would affirm that apart from Jesus, Jesus is the most important thing. But and then comes your family as a as a because you're responsible for them. So, but yeah, definitely seeing at the end where uh, they get back to the mainland and the parents are there together. It seems like they've they've set aside everything that they you know, we're, we're preoccupied with because of the, their kids were in danger. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that the divorce is over. No, I, I wouldn't but, think so either, but I think it kind of leaves you on a positive note with that whole thing. And maybe gives you some hope that oh, maybe they're going to rethink this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course there's also the hope that star Lord and, and the aunt are going to, you know, hit it off. 
Yeah. Get together. Come right? back for a sequel with yeah. Dr. Wu. <laughs> yeah, I forgot he escaped. He, he escaped Ming the Merciless style. Yeah. Or, yeah. Whew. Okay. Well, Jurassic World. Wow. There it is, man. We, we talked about so, it. We, we monster about episode it. here. Yeah. yeah. Good thing we're releasing it in two feeds. So. Yeah. It's a dino-sized episode, if you will. Yeah. Well, uh, anything else that uh, you want to talk about here? I, how can we find your podcast? Well, you can find my podcast at strangersandaliens.com. And uh, you can check out our RSS feeds. And uh, we're on iTunes as well. So, And we're on iTunes as well. We're on facebook.com slash... Um, uh, you'll have to... Oh, my head. <laughs> <laughs> wait, oh. wait. Oh, my head's hurting too. I think... Oh, is it is Facebook.com slash static blade podcast? Yeah, that's why wouldn't I know that if it's my podcast? Oh, man, I don't know. Weird. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, well, thanks for having me on your podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome back anytime as a guest host. Ben, we we always appreciate hearing your thoughts around here. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 155 episodes, man. I know it's it's been it's quite an accomplishment, and we're just we're just very blessed over here to have gotten this far. And uh, looking forward to episode two hundred and one, where it's going to be you know you know two hundred. That's like you know the the milestone type right, thing. Right. But you know it's a real. It, I think it's a real milestone that you're going further than two hundred. You know, so we're going to celebrate at two hundred and one. I think. Nice, nice. I like that. I ow. That idea seems so similar to something in my head. Anyway, well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. Uh, I guess the only thing left to say is uh, God's. No, ow, ah, no, (laughs) you shouldn't be saying that. I don't know why, but you shouldn't be saying that word. I feel like I need to be able to say it. All right. Well, Ben, do you want to go ahead and say it will make you feel better? Yeah, yeah. I have to say Godspeed, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Strangers and Aliens summer movie series. You can email us at podcast at strangersandaliens.com or leave us a voicemail at 1-804-37-ALIEN. That's 1-804-372-5436. We'd love to hear from you. You can also go to our website, strangersandaliens.com, leave a comment on the blog, or check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. We're also on Twitter, Strange and Alien. Check us out. This podcast is a proud member of the Crossover Nexus, a group of podcasts and blogs that engage faith and pop culture. Find out more at www.crossovernexus.com.